0: This is the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast. What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Serial. I'm Amanda Ann, here with Mike, and today we are reviewing the new Marvel film, Thor Love and Thunder. But before we begin, just a couple announcements. This past week, I apologize, Uh, Mike and I got some type of bug. It's not COVID, but we don't know. We've been coughing and sneezing, so good time. So our Stranger Things episode was canceled last week, but we're going to reschedule that for next week, so you don't want to miss out on that. I can't stop thinking about that show, like some parts in that show, so I'm excited to talk about it. So today, like I said, Thor, we saw it last night, and... You know, I'm such a big Thor fan, so this movie was, I was so excited for this. It was my 2022 film, and yeah, it's directed by Taika Waititi, and it stars Chris Hemsworth. He's back as Thor, Tessa Thompson's back as Valkyrie, and then we got Natalie Portman, and she is Jane Foster, and she's also Mighty Thor, which she was amazing, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Jamie Alexander is actually back as Lady Sif, so that was exciting to see. And Russell Crowe was in it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) And Taika Waititi is back as Korg. So in the beginning here, we leave off with Thor from when we last saw him in Endgame, leaving with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and you can see that He's decked out in rock and roll gear, courtesy of Star-Lord. So, I mean, that was fun. Overall, though, this movie, like, I was thinking about it today, and I was telling Mike, as a Thor fan, it was really nice to see the characters come back. It was like seeing family again. But as a film, it didn't land for me. And I'm a little disappointed because, and here's why. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is back, and he's hilarious as Thor, but I felt like it was missing something. Like, Thor is known as someone who's very, he's innocent, and he thinks he knows what he's talking about, but, you know, like, he calls uh, Rocket, Raccoon, a rabbit, and he's dead serious, but, like, we all laugh at that, and it's, you know, he doesn't mean it to be funny you know, that's what I miss. It it was almost like they were just trying too hard with the jokes in this film. And the thing about Ragnarok, it was one of a kind. And I feel like Tycho was just trying to like just redo that a little bit. But I feel like he tried a little too hard to replicate what he did with Ragnarok. I don't know this film. What do you think, Mike? I'm rambling at this part
1: um for me as i was talking to you earlier about it was it was interesting to take this character again after everything that happened with infinity war and endgame and it seemed to me like a lot of this movie was out of taika Waititi's control about like what he could put in it he for sure had to deal with like stormbreaker and and the guardians being in the movie and then uh you know asgard being on earth and just all this stuff happening that maybe he didn't decide that he wanted or whatever but he kind of rolls with it and the movie spends a great deal of time just narrating and recapping like Thor's mm-hmm. adventures are ready and it's kind of unnecessary there's a, a role in film and in storytelling in general and it's show don't tell And what that means is you don't want to narrate something when you could show something. Mm. So if you, if you were the narrator and you were saying that a child had a rough day at school and that's all that, all that was, that's not, not good. But if you had a scene showing the child getting bullied or maybe flunking a test or, or losing something at school or forgetting their lunch, then that would tell you that the child was having a hard time at school and, this movie kind of stumbles in that regard. It's just got so much on its plate. And it it really struggles to keep up with like everything that's happened since Ragnarok.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And it's like, when this movie was in production, they just kept announcing all these characters, all these actors coming onto the film. And it was to the point we were like, wow, this film is going to be really busy. Like, how are they going to tell this story in a two-hour period? And... Yeah, you're right. Like, honestly, the whole film is basically Korg, like, narrating everything that happened. And, you know, it was just, it was good to see Thor kind of rebound and just, like, regroup. But, again, like, the jokes weren't landing for me like they usually do. Um, But one thing I did find that was very tastefully done was Natalie Portman. She's back as Jane Foster, And they took the comic book where she develops stage four cancer and Mjolnir calls to her and she becomes the mighty Thor. So, and I know, Mike, you and I were talking about, oh, we hope, like, if they go that route, we hope that it wasn't going to be like a joke, (laughs) per se. So I, I have to hand it to Tyka that he did cover some pretty heavy content well, in this film
1: yeah i really as a cancer survivor myself and a uh, very close to someone in my life who's uh, f- also fought and survived cancer so far like i really needed to see like you know a bald woman stricken with chemo and illness like pick up the hammer and become like a god and unfortunately jane she does look a little sick but like mm-hmm. she still has her full head of hair Like, when you start chemotherapy, usually they shave your head so that you don't have to just one day randomly shower and have all your hair just uh, thread through your fingers. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would have liked to see it delve more into that aspect of it, and it would have been great to have, like, a Jane Foster-like origin story Disney Plus series and then build into this, because... That's such a good storyline and such uh, and it could be such a a heavy gravitas story and you could deal with it just on its own and they just kind of it's just kind of like in this movie I mean mm-hmm. there's a scene there's a couple scenes that establish that Jane is sick but that's about it like it would make a whole great movie or show just based on what Jane is going through.
0: Yeah, when uh, there's, yeah, the part you're talking about too is like she's in the hospital and Darcy actually makes an appearance, Kat Dennings, and yeah, I didn't know she had stage four until she said she had stage four. I'm like, you don't look like you have stage four, but yeah, I just, again, they feel, again, the show covered a lot of material in a short amount of time, and that is something that I would really have liked to have seen expanded more on from the point of her and Thor calling it quits and just seeing what she was up to up to that point. That would have been really good, too, because they really quickly dived into the whole thing of Thor loving Jane so much that he tells Mjolnir to protect her if anything were to happen. And Mjolnir does. But it's really quick. And, you know, at first you, you would miss it if you weren't paying attention. So another, like, I would say grievance we have with this film is Gore the God Butcher. He's the villain of this film, and he's played by Christian Bale, and everyone was so excited for him to come onto this role. And, Mike, we were talking, you were saying that you expected, like, a Thanos-level villain?
1: Like, a Thanos or, like, a Joker. Just, like, this villain that completely steals the scene. Just, like... Every time he's on screen, like, the audience is just on the edge of their seat. What's what's going to happen next? What's mm-hmm. he going to do? There's just, like, this uncomprehensible presence of villainy and evil. Like, I would have been... That's what I was expecting, because Christian Bale doesn't have to take cash money projects anymore. He's he's very well off, and he's only acting at this point just just to do, like, projects with great directors and to tell great stories, and he doesn't need... A cash cow and for him to sign on for this movie i was really excited and i heard a lot of good things about gore in the comics and for him to just be kind of like you know a voldemort type villain mm-hmm. you know who who's defeated by teenagers and they they all have an instructor with a beard um yeah i just but i will tell you this gore's dilemma in this movie really spoke to me in the times that we live in now because if you if you were to say the god the gods of the movie the gods in the marvel universe are are supposed to are supposed to protect people they're supposed to they're supposed to stand up for them and and protect them and and help nourish them as people and i feel like that was a huge plug-in for just politicians in general for me and when this poor dying man was was starving and dying of thirst and dehydration he had wandered through the desert and he came to the feet of a god and he begged them for help all all the god did was like laugh at him and like i don't care about you like you don't matter to me wow. and later on in the movie like you know chris hemsworth goes to all the other gods and is like hey i need your help against gore and all the other gods are like that's really not our problem he's all the way over there he's just dealing with those low-level people those low-level gods that will never affect us so gore's dilemma to me actually really had a strong note just in how we have to hold our politicians and people in power accountable for what's happening in the world and I gotta say, it, it really hit me.
0: Wow, that that's a really good comparison and point you brought up. I'm a little choked up, I'm not gonna lie. Because you're right.
1: I mean, just, just watching the news and how yeah. the lives of our children are at stake and people are just like, well, you know, money, you mm-hmm. know, politics, you know it's the other party's fault. Like, Gore, Gore does seem like a radical, but like, Maybe I'm a little empathetic towards him because I, yeah. I'm i with him. I want to see people in power take action and take charge and, and really help out who they're supposed to be ruling over.
0: Yeah, I felt bad for him. I really did. At the beginning of the movie, I really felt horrible for Gore the whole movie and saw that he's just in pain this whole time and he's acting out. And it's up to Chris or... <laughs> Chris and Thor are, like, the same person, right? But it's up to Thor to stop him, of course. But, and, Mike, you drew a comparison between Jane and Gore, right?
1: Yeah, they they were both at the odds of their end. Like, Gore was a believer in, like, gods. And Jane was a believer in science. And science had failed Jane as she was battling her cancer. So she turned to basically magic and gore couldn't find any any solace in any any solace in in anything other than revenge and he he found another magical weapon and used it to bring change to his life so yeah they're they're kind of the same
0: yeah that's a good point and the ending like i just we'll get to that in a second but speaking that's- of the other gods
1: well we gotta talk about the Necro Sword. Yeah, I've got some problems with this necro sword. Tell me, it's just there. Yeah, Gore just Gore shows, shows up at this at this like paradise full of the gods, and the gods just like, oh yeah, there's this sword, it's over there, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> and then he starts making fun of Gore and and choking Gore to death, and then suddenly the sword chooses Gore, and he's able to kill the god, and he begins his reign up- upon killing all gods, and it's just like, well. It was just there this whole time and, and it was just a convenience that he, he picked it up like, come on, like, mm-hmm. get creative with your writing. Like,
0: and unfortunately, that's how I felt like a lot of this writing was a little on the lazy side because you're trying to cover so much material in this short amount of time. They didn't have time to explain the sword.
1: I mean, the sh- the sword lets you disappear into shadow, and it lets you summon like shadow monsters, mm-hmm. like and it's called the Necro Sword. Like, how cool would it have been like for Gore to like kill a god, and then to be able to like summon a shadow version of the god to like mm-hmm. fight for? Like, how cool that would have been.
0: Yeah. So, a couple things that again I wish were a little more explored too was Lady Sif. Jamie Alexander came back for Lady Sif. They hyped up her return. And I love her. She was she's one of my I mean, I love all the the Thor films, but I love the Warriors three and Lady Sif just as much. And when she was going to come back, I was ecstatic. Her part was just kind of wasted, like she lost an arm in battle and she just kind of showed up. And then that was it, like no explanation to where she was, what she was doing during Ragnarok. Like I was. I wanted more of that, and I was disappointed. But then we meet some more gods. Like Mike was saying earlier, Thor goes to Mount Olympus to... Is it Mount Olympus?
1: He goes to this city of just gods. Like, it's not Mount Olympus, but Zeus is there. Yeah. But it's not Mount Olympus. It's like uh, Omnitopia.
0: Yeah, something like that. But it's like a big arena, and all the gods show up. And him, Korg, Valkyrie, and Jane, they, you know, it's funny. They disguise themselves and they sneak in. And Thor's just like, oh my god, Zeus is my hero and this and that. And, you know, there's fan service. You know, we get to see Chris Hemsworth naked. And he's got this big Loki tattoo. The rest in peace Loki. So, like, you know, as a Loki fan, I really appreciated that. But they wasted so much time on this part and I felt like it didn't really add to the plot of the movie. I it, the the thing was they needed to get Zeus's thunderbolt,
1: which they don't even use effectively throughout yeah. the rest of the movie.
0: And I'm just like what I don't know why they needed that so bad. Like they they kind of skimmed over that cuz it's like they go to these gods for help. They they need the gods' help. They never really mention that they need that thunderbolt. Valkyrie just kind of comes out and says like, and we're going to go snatch that Thunderbolt. And I'm like, okay, for what? So a lot of the time, and there was like a lot of unnecessary humor in that part. I just, I thought it was weird. Um, Russell Crowe plays Zeus. I'm not a big Russell Crowe fan. <laughs> it stems from Le Rob. I, I have beef with that, but I just did not like him as Zeus. I just thought his jokes as Zeus were just, Ew, I don't know. It was just ew. The whole part of that was just ew for me.
1: Because he was talking about like orgies and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was very very sexual, which Zeus is known to be. I mean, mm-hmm. but Norse it was Go- Russell Norse, Crow. Gods, <laughs> Norse gods like to like you know Loki and a horse and all that stuff, uh-huh. and then the Zeus gods are just known for like you know incest and
0: everything. It's, so it's just it was Russell Crowe. <laughs> that's all. But a lot of like I felt like instead of having a part like that in this movie, they could have explored a lot more things. That's the point I'm getting out of this is you know, too bad we couldn't see I would have loved to have seen more Jane as Mighty Thor. I as much as she's in this movie as Thor, I felt like she, it wasn't enough. I wanted more. And it was nice to see them kind of have her and uh, Thor have this closure of their relationship and at the end it's like yeah thor loses her but he had that closure so in a way it's like yeah but i, I just we needed more of that and less is Zeus. russell crow is Zeus, no <laughs> and another one was korg now i love korg korg was one of my favorites from ragnarok but and i you know i was glad to see him again but i didn't think it was necessary for him to come along the journey what do you think
1: uh, I, I really do love Korg, and I just felt Korg really didn't need to come along on this adventure, and he really didn't bring much to the table other than, like, you know... Narrating. Narrating and, and being, uh, I guess, uh, bringing his type of humor in it, and, like, maybe Taika Rotitti could have directed more instead of being on camera this whole movie as well. That would have been nice. And... They've already got a guy made of trees on the team for a little bit of the movie. Then they got those guy made of rocks. And it's like, how many CGI guys do, do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, tell tell these human stories, please.
0: I really thought, like, this movie was going to have more guardians in it. Just because it seemed like Thor was, like, solidified as the as guardians of the galaxy at the end of <laughs> Endgame. So, but literally, the Guardians are in this movie for, like, what? Not even 20 minutes, right?
1: Yeah, they're in there basically for the opening scene, and then they they leave. They leave at the, like, the end of the first act, so...
0: Yeah, because... And they don't
1: even do anything. Like, Mm -hmm. we were just talking about how Drax doesn't say anything, really, and how Rocket and Groot don't do much, and, like, the only focus is on Star-Lord.
0: Yeah, like, Star-Lord and Thor... And it's funny because, like, they still have, like, Thor is just like, I grant you my ship. And Star-Lord's like, that's my ship. So, like, that humor from Infinity War and Endgame leads over into this. So that was fun to see. But, yeah, like, Mantis, her only line was, like, she, like, growl or she, what, she the did, goats. She did
1: a goat call or yeah.
0: something. <laughs> and then, but Nebula, too, she was funny. She's, you know, Nebula and Thor was just like, I won't miss her. <laughs> One character that came back is Valkyrie, played by Tessa Thompson, and I didn't mind her in Ragnarok. I liked her. I you know, she's great, she's a strong female, and she's a good representation of the LGBTQ plus because she is now King of Asgard looking for her queen. And they do mention that when she was a Valkyrie, she lost her girlfriend. So she's got like lost love, and that's why she's drinking a lot. So that was really nice to see. Some background of Valkyrie a little bit was just, um, you know, she, she's accomplished now. She's got her throne and just, but she's still Valkyrie. I And I loved her in this movie. And Mike, you weren't a big fan of Valkyrie from Ragnarok, but you liked, you liked her in this one?
1: I really did not enjoy Valkyrie in Ragnarok just because of like, I don't know, her outfit really didn't have appeal and the drinking wasn't cool and... But like in Endgame and in uh, this movie, she she's kind of more down the earth and she's less of a personality and more of a real character. And I really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like the whole movie is full of like strong female Asgardian women. like Sif is in this movie. Valkyrie's in this movie. Uh, Jane becomes Thor in this movie. There's a lot of... A strong female character and not enough strong female character things to do to go around
0: mm-hmm. yeah i really liked her outfit when they went to go fight but i also really liked her phantom of the opera shirt like she just showed up to a battle in a phantom of the opera shirt and with her knife and just <laughs> i love that i was like yes just her sitting in a broadway show seeing phantom of the opera is just so funny to me so random
1: so Amanda, how did you feel about the disneyfication of New Asgard in this movie?
0: Um you know, and it was like I was telling you, I really miss all the aesthetics and the like sh- you use the word shakespearean thing of the first thor movie. I really missed that and I just felt like this whole movie was just westernized a lot. Like, in the Avengers, one of my favorite lines Thor says to Loki is, like, you know, recompense for your imagined slights. Like, I loved when they were talking like that. I'm weird. But I missed that. And it's just, New Asgard was very... For me, it was confusing because it looked like a regular town. And they didn't really say if, like, what happened to the people that already lived there. Right? Because, like, Gore came and kidnapped the kids. And... Thor, when Thor saved the children, he was like, You guys are all Asgardian. And they're like, No, we're not.
1: <laughs> well, I assume that wherever it was, where did they settle? Was it? It was in like Ireland? Iceland or something? Yeah,
0: one of the countries in oh, Um,
1: I assume that it was just an empty place and they, they could settle there. So. Yeah. I, I don't know.
0: I mean, it was cute. I really like the infinity cones.
1: I would, I would get an infinity cone. Oh yeah, like, like what was that six scoops of ice cream? That would be pretty cool.
0: Norway, it's located in Norway.
1: Norway, mm-hmm.
0: okay. So we're yeah, both Ooh, off.
1: Free healthcare.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it the the set was good. I was just watching an interview with uh, um, Chris and Tyka on E Entertainment, and they were giving us like a full set tour of New Asgard. It's pretty big. It's pretty cool. It was, it's just a town and. It was interesting how they made that into a little Asgard with like, you could see the boats flying off into the sky and that kind of stuff too. Um, Another (laughs) gag in this movie was the, there was screaming goats that Thor was gifted. So that was funny. Just randomly you hear the screaming goats. And another thing that was funny too, that I got a kick out of was how Thor was, talking to Mjolnir like oh I missed you buddy and this and that and his axe Stormbreaker like would be like floating next to him all like jealous and stuff. I thought that was clever. I thought that was pretty funny. So we stayed through the credits and there's two of them. The first credit Mike well you said that was Hercules that came on?
1: It was Hercules the son of Zeus played by someone from ted lasso that i can't remember the name of but my mm-hmm. sister is obsessed with that show and she's probably very excited to see ted lasso i mean uh, a ted lasso actor in a thor movie
0: yeah and then the end this was fun so jane it, you know she passes and she gets um what she
1: materializes in Valhalla. Va- in Valhalla.
0: and then we're met with idris elba as Hamdal. So that was a treat to see him. And speaking of Hamdal, he's got a kid. I don't know like who, what, where, but he this kid randomly is his and has the same like powers that he can like see like Thor can see through the child's eyes. So I thought that was pretty interesting. That was helpful. Obviously, it says Thor will return and this will be really interesting when he does return because after defeating the villain he
1: He, i want to say he defeats the villain he he kind of accepts gore as uh, well let me rephrase this he he turns gore to the side of glove to the side Mm -hmm. of good and i really like that because so many movies end with you know the villain getting stabbed or falling down a hole or something and Mm -hmm. uh thor made thor won the moral argument and turned gore over to his side, and mm. I, I like that part of this movie. I really thought that this finale, with like the rain, with like the different colors at the end of the movie, angling between in, in and out in black and white, and Floor giving the powers to the Asgardian children, and him casting a spell like uh, Odin did onto his hammer to the children's weapons was really cool. Um, I really did like the last act of this movie. Uh, a lot. So,
0: And it's interesting because um, during, like, the narration of Jane and Thor's relationship, they were saying how Thor, like, he was looking at kids, and, like, you could tell he wanted to be, like, a father. So, it's really sweet how he motivates these kids to fight. I really enjoyed that part too. And so, after, you know, gore is whatever um, he passes to, he and mike this is where i got confused though is like hey where did his daughter come from is it because he wanted his daughter first and foremost and that's what um in what was infinity or not infinity but
1: the eternity
0: eternity gave him his daughter back but like took him instead i was confused during that
1: yeah i I really can't provide an explanation for you either because i was just as confused i I think that Gore had been defeated and he and he was dying and that his dying wish was that his daughter would be would be loved by the universe and that's why Thor adopted her to watch over her.
0: Yeah, so Dor, Thor. So Thor adopted Gore's daughter and he's like her father now. So like that part happened like so fast and then I was left like, Whoa and then all of a sudden she has his power too. Like, I'm a little unclear on that. Oh, she's got
1: laser beam eyes or something. Yeah. She's she's a different species than Asgardian.
0: That's true. And so I'll be really curious to see where this goes. Because are there any comics about, like, Thor having a daughter? I mean, there probably is out there. I haven't... I'm not well-tuned with all the Thor comics. So, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what happens.
1: I think it's an interesting direction to take Thor. I mean... As far as Avengers with family, we only have Hawkeye, and we only have Ant-Man. Not mm-hmm. a lot of other Marvel characters have families or even children, so yeah. it'll be interesting as well, because not only will Thor have to, like, protect his daughter, but he also has to somehow prepare her to be, like, possibly an- another god or another leader of Asgard, so mm-hmm. it could be really cool, but... yeah. Who who knows what will, what will happen. Um, it could go either way for me.
0: Well, also, too, though, like, you know, flipping this into a little bit of perspective, Thor literally lost everything. He lost his mom, his dad, his brother, his friends, his planet. So now he's... And Jane. He lost Jane in this movie. So he's got this little girl to raise. I feel like that could be just his, like... I'm trying to find the word, like um
1: is reason to live.
0: Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point about Floor losing everything and just how there's real no like drama to it anymore. Like Flor loses so many things and he just he just laughs his way through it. It's it's upsetting. Yeah. Like that's that's why we I really miss the more Shakespearean dramatic parts of the first Thor movie is how like give me like a five minute soliloquy about like Thor losing his family and how he deals with this stuff. Like that would be interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm like I said, I'm really manifesting Thor to make an appearance on Loki. Like my dream would be for Thor and Loki to somehow reunite. It could be like on the Loki show and then have them come back for another movie. Uncle Loki, like, come on. That's so cute. <laughs> so I am looking on IMDb right now and looking at the reviews. They're not that good. Um, one says an underwhelming mess, crash of a franchise. What? WTF, did I just watch?
1: This is the second time the Thor franchise has crashed.
0: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's got like 7 out of 10 stars on IMDb and 68% Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's decent, but, you know, I mean, it's a Marvel film. Everyone's going to go see it and have their different points of views about it. But, you know, Mike, he's been a longstanding MCU fan. So, you know what you're talking about. And I, I love Thor. Thor is my favorite superhero. But this movie just disappointed me. So, but it was good to see him again, like I said. So with that, that'll do it for our Thor review. What did you guys think? Please let us know, like I said... Thor and Loki they're my favorite so I can talk about them a lot so don't be shy (laughs) and like I said too next week will be our Stranger Things episode and our season finale already so you don't want to miss that out and we'll talk to you then.